Welcome back to Nervous Rex, Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast that is 50% rewatch, 50% first time watch, and 100% basketball this week. My name is Joe, I use any and all pronouns. I'm Chris, I use he, him pronouns, and I, for one, was disappointed by the disappointing amount of basketball in the yes, episode. It's, it's really just the one hoop. Um, it comes comes pretty late, you kinda, you, you're waiting for it, you're really waiting for that hoop the whole time they they teased us with it. Uh, on the last episode, and you finally get it, and then to be continued again. I mean, it's not a bad hoop. It, you know, weird, weird, weird form, but nice shot. Yeah, no, I mean, he gets it. He gets it in one. And you know, you know, sometimes, like, like even me, when I'm in a smarter mood, will say, like, you know, less is more, and that one single shot was like everything it needed to be. And there's a dumber part of me that just be like, I want more basketball. I want a whole episode. Where Toji is a basketball star. It'd be fun. But I don't I don't think this? I actually want that. Like maybe also maybe it exists. I know there's like some non canon bullshit out there somewhere. Yeah, you wouldn't want it in the main series of this, but as no. like a spin off, I'd take it. Mm-hmm. Is this the best narratively used basketball shot in in art? In art history. Maybe. It's I'm trying to think of other important Basket, like, all right. So we have all the of them cinema is like Air Bud. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's, the thing. We have the like cinema they... universe of Air Bud, and we can't forget the absolute cinematic masterpiece that is uh, Slam Dunk Ernest. God, <laughs> I want to watch that. In in which he gets a magical pair of shoes uh, that let him be extremely good at basketball. That's just basketball. I mean, yes, it is. It is all in the shoes. What do you think LeBron did? Also, I mean, also that the shoes are given to him by an angel as played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> so. That rules. A big, a big floating triangle that wants to destroy humanity played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh-huh. Yeah, different different type of uh, of angel, I'm afraid. I feel like in every other, like, um, piece of media, it's just like, oh, okay, like, well, it's important because they made the last shot in a game in a movie otherwise about basketball, so it's like kind of just like they're all the same. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I don't have many examples of something like this where basketball has nothing to do with the plot, and yet it's like a significant emotional beat that gets hit to watch that basketball go in. There's I feel a like lot it's of, one of a kind. There's a lot of interesting metaphors in this episode that in no way relate back to the story. <laughs> like, things that are brought up that would not matter, typically. Like, oh, this is a show about robots. Let's talk about watermelons for, for a minute. <laughs> And then, and then it's like extremely relevant to the characters at the moment. Yeah, and 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 as well as this uh, this this great uh, hoopage that we get. There's no way to prove that Evangelion isn't inspired by Slam Dunk Ernest because <laughs> it comes out a year after this episode came out. Uh, you know, early '96, January 24th. Slam Dunk Ernest, 1995. So, I'm just saying. We, the dots we, are lining up. Chemtrails are real, and <laughs> Riley Hopkins believes in them. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild that I just associate chemtrails with Riley Hopkins now. <laughs> they yeah, they like single handedly locked up that brand. Yeah, they did it to themselves, and it's unfortunate. Uh, anyways, let's we, we we're here to talk about the the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, and uh, it is Chris's turn to recap this uh, this kind of quiet episode. Yep. Can I recap quietly as a as a as a tribute? Can I? I mean, I'm not. I, I mean, I, I I don't know if if we're necessarily like. I don't know if we should be branching into like ASMR podcasting. Yeah, I mean, like 
you know, I've watched my fair share, but that doesn't mean you're qualified to do it, you know. People, here's the thing, though. Podcasting is kind of a, a medium in which people do think that, though. Oh, uh, well, I certainly did, and I do it now. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Actually, I didn't even really think that. We don't have to talk about my podcast history on here, but yeah. <laughs> Nor mine. <laughs> the episode opens with uh, some committee interrogating Masato about the thing that happened in the last episode. And they're like, was the angel trying to, like, communicate with us? So, like, is that why it, like, took the Ava? Was it talking to Shinji? Misato is, like, basically just saying, like, we don't know. There's no way of knowing. Don't interview Shinji about it. Don't bother him about it because he's, like, not emotionally fit to talk about it right now. And they kind of just give up on her for not having, like, conclusive answers. And they end the conversation. And they, and then Gendo was there. <laughs> they show that he's one of the people participating in this. But I don't think he spoke at all. They show Toji walking to go visit his sister while we get some like overlay of like nurses talking about oh he's here every day and he's the brother of the girl that's injured in the first uh angel attack and gendo and ray enter nerve headquarters and gendo's asking her like how she's feeling and how how is it going at school which he never asks his own boy back at the school toji embarrasses shinji and asuka by saying they felt like a married couple and then it cuts to this like from that it's just like what looks like basically a nuke going off. It's just like this whole like facility in uh, America is just like going up. And like the nerve staff is just like, oh, well, our second branch in Nevada has completely vanished and thousands of people just died. And then like the rest of the scene just like moves on. And they just like chat about stuff. F in the chat for Nevada. Basically, yeah. Misato and Ritsuko and people are like trying to like figure out what happened. And they say some stuff about an S- S2 engine. It's like the disappearance took place. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, I said it vanished. Um, yeah, they basically said that they weren't killed, but they just disappeared. And they said that disappearance happened at the same time that the restored S2 engine sample was to be installed on uh, AVA Unit 4. And then, like, they calculated some absurd number, about 32,768 possibilities for the, for the accident, including sabotage. Risco thinks it was swallowed into a C, like Unit 01 had previously. Masato's like basically saying like yeah this is happening because we're using things we don't understand like the oh, and then Ritsuko's like just like the Avas yeah like the robots we've been putting children in for <laughs> however long really funny when you think about it like that yeah this is episode 17 <laughs> we've got some big powerful uh force we don't understand put a baby in it to be fair the last episode I do think drew like made characters realize what the fuck are we doing yeah but it's a little late for that yeah you, get, you know, if, if I buy, Joe, if I buy a new Jeep Wrangler and let the baby drive it, and then nine months later, I'm like, oh, Joe, that might have not a big idea. Are you going to forgive me? Uh, I don't know. I saw Baby Driver. It could work out. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's how I know you didn't see Baby Driver. Yeah, I didn't see Baby oh. Driver. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they're on an escalator, the cool one we've seen before, and Ritsuko tells Masada that the government, U.S. government is sending over uh, Unit 3 from the U.S. to prevent the first branch from being lost as well. And then we cut to... Risco and Gendo talking about the dummy system we've talked about before, and they basically establish Rape Luku. It's just a it's a replica of Ray that's gonna pilot the the Ava. It's just like oh, it's like it's just a dummy. You can't really port over like the mind and soul, but we're like doing our best to approximate that. And uh, this like uh, fake Ray that's basically just like you know beeps and boops, ones and zeros, will interface with the Ava, and it'll think it's being piloted by a person. It took me a second to piece together your Kingdom Hearts joke, which probably I know, I was like, which probably sounds indecipherable to people who who haven't 
Uh, like yeah. he, the thing is, he's not even called Repliku in those games. It's just like I a know. thing that I've said a million times. Yeah. In the fandom as a whole. But th- it was interesting in that scene where they're talking about the dummy plug, where it's like you can't really recreate, uh, you know, soul or personality with data. And I'm like, well, I know a franchise that disagrees with you. Exactly. Yeah, that's what got me going on that. Yeah. Um, they said that there's errors in the dummy system and that makes it risky to use on the first activation of um, unit. Oh three, but instead there's a candidate for um the fourth child who could uh who could pilot it, uh, and discovering who that is is a surprise to Masato, and she decides that it would be a bad idea to tell Shinji right now. Then we see Futsuki and, and Gendo on a train ride talking about uh Tokyo three and mankind and the the accident and uh. I would love a transcript of that conversation. Yeah, I was trying to keep track of it. It's a lot at once. I I know there's one line about like cowards live longer and it's like right as yeah. they go underground which is like that's you know, the that, that's, that's the real quotable one that stands out yeah but yeah just gendo's whole spiel about like how the city is a a, a creation of men who have like left pair or like been expunged from paradise and are trying to recreate one of their own like this is a city made from people outside of paradise and what they're working towards and building towards out of a fear of death and it's it's just like laying out a lot of what's going through certain characters heads I, I, it's weird that like people I, I i don't hear a lot of people talk about this maybe it's just so unsubtle that no one thinks to or cares whereas i'm just like i think this speaks a lot to what some, some of the things the show is discussing and i appreciate how candidly they're just like yeah here's gendo talking about his point of view and then fuyutsuki just being like yeah cowards live longer <laughs> See, I just felt like that scene, that scene had such huge, sir, this is a Wendy's energy. It did, a little bit. Like, like nobody said anything about any of that shit, and he's just like, yeah, it's like, humanity, it's like, they fuck because they're afraid of death, and we've built our own paradise, and it's like, dude, <laughs> alright, well, it's gonna work now. I eat that shit up. I eat that yeah. shit up. Like, I, uh, I recently finished covering The World Ends With You on Got It Memorized, and the back third of that game really lays stuff bare. And I just like, I'm like, fuck yeah. Just, just, just put it like, like, uh, I, I think I've referenced, I don't know if I've referenced it before on this show, but I read a review of Ad Astra where it said like, um, this movie isn't on the nose. It just is the nose. And I, uh-huh. I think about that comparison a lot. And I think the like scenes like this are exactly that where I'm just like, yes, just inject it into my veins. I actually don't so much have a problem with, like, its directness as much as... I And I'd like to talk about it with you on this fine program we have here so that I can understand. It's For me, it's just I didn't understand how that was tying into, like, things that the show is dealing with. I've seen it before. That's what I was wondering. Like, like, maybe it's that's, not something that's, that's about, part maybe of it. things for later. Yeah. Yeah, I, the thing is, yeah, I kind of know what Gendo's working towards, which I think colors my viewing of these conversations a lot. Yeah. I think on a first viewing it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other. Like, I kind of forgot until we start talking about it that that scene happened. Yeah, and I think maybe that's it, too, because I don't think I... There's scenes like this in the show where I'm like, I couldn't have told you this happened based on watching it when I was younger. But on my second watch through, I I, colored by the events of the rest of the show. I'm just like, this this scene is great. I I love this introspection that is so candidly just them talking about their bullshit and that's like totally cool to have a scene where 
your first watch like what the fuck was that and mm-hmm. then later you're like oh that's what that was doing i don't mind that i'm just yeah i just don't have as much to say about it in terms of anything else because like it just was like a dude having a weird rant about civilization for me yeah i i think i i think on a first watch through it might just like sort of color what you can expect from him going forward like what really is like what is his end goal like what sure. this is what he's thinking what is he trying to accomplish yeah i do think they said something I can't remember now, but there was something that did kind of hint at, like, this has to do with what we want. Yeah, because this conversation is kind of framed around reporting the, or, or rather it is followed up by and, and then informed by reporting the incident of the, like, the, the Nevada accident. But I have to assume is Area 51 um, accident. Oh, that is. What, how are they going to report that back to, to Seal? Or, or I'm going to probably keep saying Seal, even though I've been corrected yeah. on, on this program, to say Seal. Yeah, because he asks Gendo like, well, what he's going to say, and he's like, the truth, because the facts can't prove anything otherwise right now, or something like I, that. I, I like, love his phrasing that, like, based on the facts, it was an accident. Which, which like, yeah. the phrasing of him saying that implies, like, you know, <laughs> sure I may accident. know what happened, but yeah. there is no evidence for it. Yeah. But yeah, he's just moving forward with uh it's like, yeah, I'll just take their robot and uh he makes a remark again about the Dead Sea Scrolls where it's like, you know Oh yeah. He's like things things will happen that aren't predicted in it, and that's the thing that those old men are gonna have to, you know, deal with. And I love I love the the idea that Gendo is like okay boomer to people older than him that are like like he's still sc- like scrapping with the powers above him, even though he is himself the asshole to people below him. Yeah, because it's even more than just like you know that's something that he literally he says like that'll show them like he like has like it, mm-hmm. it it's like an aggression towards them that comes out like he like is spiteful towards them for like you know believing in or like strictly adhering to like whatever these Dead Sea Scrolls are. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Toji has class duty, uh, and he and Shinji. Oh yeah, because like he has to go deliver something to. Ray, it's like a bunch of papers uh, and this like the, the class president girl like wants to go with him and he said just pick Shinji yeah I, it's that's a funny scene <laughs> I don't know if it's meant to be I think it's just characterizing I Toji think, I think it, I, is. it made me laugh I think also I think it's supposed to be played for giggles the room is a, uh, a mess like it was last time but before they go in uh, Shinji's gonna like open the door and Toji's like you can't go in there without like her permission and changes like, well look at the mailbox it's full like we have to so uh i, I want to talk more about that in a little bit um shinji starts cleaning the room while they're in there and toji's saying something about like oh i'm a man i don't do that and then uh shinji tries to goad him by saying like masato likes doesn't like men who act like that and then um he gets like kind of frazzled but still says like it's the principle you know like i have to do it it's my code or whatever and then ray shows up Thanks Shinji for cleaning, and then after they leave, she speaks aloud and realizes that she's never said thank you to anybody, not even Gendo. And then they show during sync tests that Shinji's sync level is dropping after the incident with the last um, last angel. Toji gets called away to see the principal at school the next day. Oh, this is something I didn't catch. The wiki's telling me Ritsuko is heard greeting him, and uh, and he does not appear until long after lunchtime and seems oddly preoccupied. Uh, then Kensuke and Shinji talk, and Kensuke, Kensuke tells Shinji a bunch of stuff. Cause he was like on some like trip with his like, dad or something, and, and like he um, 
he learned a ton of stuff about what's going on, like that Shinji didn't know, like about the disappearance of the um the other Ava, and like that they were gonna like be bringing in a new unit and stuff, and um, Shinji didn't know. And he's like, well, I guess if they didn't tell you, I guess you just must not need to know as a pilot. But he's like, hey, there's going to be a new pilot. And um, he was, like, asking Shinji to put in a good word for him, for Kensuke to be chosen by Masato as the new pilot. And Shinji's basically basically like, I don't know about that. Asuka uh, barges in on Kaji, like, using the computer. And he tries to tell her to, like, go away, like, not right now. And then she, like, runs up and hugs him. And he gets mad at her, and then she notices on the screen who has been chosen as the fourth child. Kaji tries to flirt with someone named Maya, uh, which annoys Misato. But then uh, she asks him something about the, uh, the the Marduk Institute, and Kaji tells her that that's not that it's not real, and nervous pulling all the strings. And I believe they cut to Shinji and Kaji in the aforementioned watermelon scene, where they just talk about life and. Kaji talks about um, how growing things is uh, is satisfying. Watermelons. Yeah, and he's like talking about just like, have you found what they talk about like pain and pleasure and like what makes you happy and blah blah blah. The wiki mentions a line that I don't remember happening at all, um, saying that Kaji tells Shinji that once he gets to meet a person, he actually becomes very open indeed. A point that Shinji does not seem to realize himself. I don't remember that happening at all. Do you? Me neither. <laughs> okay, that's weird. <laughs> I just saw them talking about watermelons. <laughs> that's not true. That's that's being productive. They talked about uh, other stuff, just not that. They used they used the watermelons as a metaphor. <laughs> the uh, episode ends with the um. Oh, I see. I read this totally differently than this wiki is describing. The class president person is like cooking for for Toji because uh he doesn't have anyone to cook him lunch, and the wiki describes uh a strangely happy Toji shooting hoops. I I don't read that one, as happy. Do not read that as happy at all. <laughs> I don't read that that way at all. But that's He's, the episode. I don't, we did it. No, it's weird. It's this episode's. There's a lot of things where it's like everything's going great for Toji. Like he's got this girl who's like flirting with him, and did it? Does it? I already forgot if it. Uh, specifically reveals that he's the fourth child, or just like it does not beat you it's over just, the head it, with it. Yes. Yeah, they tell you just about every way they can without actually telling you. Yeah, because there's a lot of people reacting to it, which means it's someone that, like, Asuka would be like, who the fuck made him? Uh, yeah, because yeah, they say him. Like, they do gender it, too. Um, yep. But th- there's, like, we have to pick a fourth child, hard cut to Toji. <laughs> they literally, yeah, they literally do that. Like, and three times. And they basically times. the same thing in the, in the teaser on the end of the last episode. So, like, we knew going in that that was what it was going to be. And, like, during this, I was like, are they going to like hard yank the carpet off from under us and like have it be someone else? I was like, no, they're not, like that. They just done too much to, it wouldn't, I don't think that's where yeah. they're going. Yeah. Uh, Misato. Yeah. Struggling with uh, being like, I don't know how to tell Shinji. Cause I think it would bug him. And he's already dealing with the weird after effects of, you know, the last episodes angel fight. Do you think it would bug him? I don't know. I, don't I mean, really. I mean, we're, I don't know, the rest of the show is, is a whirlwind, but... I feel like, at this point in time, if I had to make a call on that, I would say the thing he'd be most bothered by is just that then another person that he knew and liked okay was going to be put in the line of fire. Like, that's, I don't think, Yeah, that's like, the he thing. Had... He, I, th- I don't know if he would be concerned or, over, like, feel insecure about it. Oh, I guess I could kind of see that, maybe. Yeah, I could buy that. Like, these characters are kind of so nuanced, I could kind of believe it going any which way. Yeah, 
yeah, once you said it, because like, at first I was like, I don't think he'd be like jealous about it, but then like I kind of like like took a step back and looked at the situation as a whole. I was like, yeah, he probably would feel weird about that. Yeah, the relationship that Shinji has with like his, you know, his tasks piloting the Eva, and I think the way that masculinity has kind of played into that, and I think this mm-hmm. this episode kind of shows his brand of masculinity contrasted to Toji's with the him cleaning Ray's apartment and just like not even that act of cleaning so much as their conversation using that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I genuinely like out with this point in time, I don't know exactly if it would be out of just concern or out of insecurity, but either way, I think it's like a, a thing where it's like, Hey, your, your high, your, your friend from school is that you saved from an angel you know, he watched you have a panic attack and a robot. We're going to put him in a robot, too. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, like, 1,000%, though, I just don't get how they, they didn't fire this person that's working on the Wikipedia for free and get somebody new because that, there's no way, I think, that, that you could reasonably read that as him being happy because, like, the whole, from the moment that he gets called to the principal and comes back, it's very clear that, like, he's, like, in a zone. Like, he's, like, whatever has happened is like weighing on him. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah. He's, he is processing some shit. He sits in the classroom alone, just like staring into space for like hours after school's over. Basically they get on the intercom, like go home. Yeah. I think I I wonder (laughs) based on the way that this episode opens with what, I mean, it opens with the, the interrogation of one, um, Masato, but, uh, after, after that, it, cuts to a reminder of Toji's sister, who is actually still in the hospital. Uh, he, he visits her, the, the nurses say, twice a week. And I have to wonder if, like, that is weighing on him, like the responsibility of that job and the effects it has on people's lives. Where he's uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, my first experience with this robot was, like, wanting to beat the shit out of the pilot because my sister got hurt. She's still <laughs> hurt, and now I have to pilot one? And presumably, like... I don't know if he's given a choice or if it's like, hey, you've been chosen for this program that you don't have to do. Right. Well, that's why I think that he's not happy about it. Like, yeah, and, no, I don't like, think he's happy at all. Yeah, and, like, the way that the, the, the character is animated and, like, the body language and the facial expressions just make it seem like like he's taking the whole thing very seriously. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he, I mean, he's certainly processing it regardless of what exactly is going through his head. What's your deep reading of the... Of of the basketball scene because you're talking about how it's like the most cinematically relevant hoop. I I don't know if I can like coherently describe what I feel like it means to me because I don't. It's not like a direct like it. I think it represents this, but just like there's something about a character like him to where like we've always seen him as like kind of like a uh, a self assured, athletic, sort of like aggressive. If you know. Not always like he's usually pretty animated and energetic. Ex- exactly, yeah. Th- and the thought of that guy having this big dilemma or or role thrust onto him, where we like we covered, like he will be in a position where he'll have to like defend lives, and he'll be in a situation that like injured his sister, and and uh, all of that happening, and like the way he part of how he processes that is by going to the basketball court and just sitting there with, like, just, like, silent resolve, holding the ball over his head for, like, a long time and just, like, throwing it up and it's, like, hits the backboard and bounces in. Like, I just feel like that, that, you feel that. It feels 
significant. It feels like the character kind of like stepping up and like getting his game face on before he has to go do something really, mm-hmm. really serious. And like the fact that he makes the shot is kind of like, I'm I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Even yeah, like like th- this is him. On, like, this is him trying to center himself, and that very clean basket is demonstrate like uh shows him having done it. Like he's like, all right, I am, I am, I am centered. I am calm. I guess I'm gonna. But what I, do this. But what I like is that like while it is like it's a good shot, he clearly it's a satisfying like there he made it. It's not what they could have done with like the the nothing but net swish. It like clangs off the backboard and then goes in it's like still a little rough even when it's like even when it is a clean shot it, you know what i mean oh yeah sure it's it's cool i think it's good mm-hmm. it's good it's a good hoop yeah 10 out of 10 good emotionally resonant hoop yeah i mean that's that's the thing there's a lot of like little things that like this episode is just like i think i, I was expecting what i have to guess is in the next episode I think I, I, yeah, and I'm looking, I'm looking ahead at the wiki. I think I had mentally combined 17 and 18 in my head. Mm-hmm. So this episode being a lot of setup, I was just like, oh, is, is all the action going to be in the last third? And in reality, there's just no action, um, which I do appreciate. Um, I, I appreciate the, the quiet setup episode, just like kind of, kind of like plotting along things like here's the aftermath of, of, of the last episode. And here are how, um things are winding up again to be you know let loose again yeah i think that the pace of this episode and the way they chose to depict things they did with toji what they chose deliberately not to do with the huge massive destructive event where thousands of people disappeared because that and like at first it bothered me it actively took me out of the episode that they weren't taking that like they they didn't present that as being a thing i should actually care about and then I was like, okay, well, it kind of seems like they're doing that because, like, there are characters on the show that don't care about that, and, like, we're more, like, through their point of view. And, like, and also it's probably trying to, like, let us know something about the characters that they don't care. Um, so I was like, okay, well, there's a way you could have done it, where you maybe could have done it both, where, like, we, the audience, feel the weight of it while realizing that they don't, whereas I feel like in this version, just no, nobody does. But I think they did, what they didn't do with that, they did do with Toji, where, like, the time that they take, really lets you sink in and feel what this endeavor is going to be like for Toji to embark on. Like, it's like, it really puts weight behind that. Yeah. And I think, I think the, oh yeah, something just fucking happened to, to the Nevada base. And, you know, like it, it is more, we're, we're more seeing Gendo try to figure out what he's going to tell people than um, learn what actually happened. I think that does nicely parallel, like as a viewer experience with, Masato being like shit's weird and I'm gonna I, I, I'm ready to start figuring things out so much so that she goes to Kaji and you know when when Kaji first showed up he's being like you know you know his 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 worst self where he's hitting on this girl uh you immediately said that you hated Kaji yeah and then after that passes I really like him in this episode not like you know I like Kaji so much as I like the nuance that is demonstrated in this episode because when mm-hmm. Masato comes to him and is like, I have questions like about real things, he makes one remark about like, oh, it's not like you to, to ask for help. But then he just like actually helps. Helps. Yeah. He's like, this is what you're looking for. This is what you're doing. But, and then later when he's just like 
genuinely nice to like he apologizes to Shinji, which is an interesting thing. Like Shinji makes some remark about like it's like, oh, I didn't expect you to to be like, you know, nice to me. And I think he like Ka- I don't remember the exact wording, but Kaji makes some joking like I, to, to hit from his point of view, like a joking, like snarky response. But like, well, actually, this this or something. And Shinji apologizes. And then Kaji's like, oh, sorry, I didn't actually mean to sound as rude as I did, which is like weird that he strips down that persona for Shinji. We've only seen persona this whole time. Yeah. And then he he's like, hey, I'm going to share my watermelon garden and talk to you about the the satisfaction I get from watching, you know, from from making something grow and, and flourish myself. And Shinji's like, but isn't it isn't it hard to, to do that? And Kaji's like, well, yeah, but, you know, you can learn from that, too. And I don't know. It's just weird having that laid bare between these two fucking characters of all characters. Yeah, the the show demonstrates the two of them having a conversation for basically the first time. Like we had talked before, but like maybe they talked before then. Now that I've seen this scene, I don't think that they had really. But yeah, it was interesting watching those two like interact for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think it's telling of how Shinji reads Kaji when Kaji says, hey, do you want me to buy you a drink? Like, because you're standing next to vending machines. And Shinji's response is, but I'm a boy. Yeah. And then they cut to them, you know, sitting on a bench, each drinking something. And then they have that conversation that I just talked about. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I appreciate the nuance of Kaji in this episode. Like, he's, he's you know, it's it's interesting that it they make the point to not necessarily just show him being good in this episode so much as they they give us the full contrast of like here's him hitting on a coworker and being a little weird which is what we're used to and then he he pivots into you know actually helping Masato and giving her what she wants and then showing kindness and like a, a genuine human voice to Shinji yeah i like too that in their kind of demonstration of like more than one side to him like like you said they could have just like oh like he's he's good like by showing him like you know like oh he's got a little like you know a, a, a friend puppy that he takes care of but like mm-hmm. you know the one that they chose to demonstrate a different side to him was like the fact that he grows these watermelons right and he's talking about like enjoying watching things grow and i think why that works is that it actually to me does fit with what we know about kaji like it makes sense as a hobby for him and his description of it makes sense because it, for one thing off the bat, you can tell he's been involved in um, kind of like training up and developing Asuka for the role she's in. So like in that way, he's like helping someone grow. He's also constantly always got these like kind of like schemes we don't fully understand yet where he's like making things happen. And it just like the the thing they chose to show where they're like, oh, like he's an asshole, but he's also a guy that grows watermelon. It's like they made the the act of growing watermelon make sense as a hobby for this like character we've seen and mm-hmm. had like an antagonistic relationship with, rather than just being like he likes he likes cats and you should like him more because of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's yeah, like I I, I appreciate that like it's yeah that it's both sides of him shown back to back, but like. It also kind of boils down with more more so than I think I think because I think we said this about Gendo, but I think it's better demonstrated with Kaji and intentionally like I think Kaji is it, it's an intentional decision to show this with Kaji rather than Gendo uh, that, you know, he can he can be an asshole and a creep. He's also just extremely competent. And these things mm-hmm, are, yeah. you know, one thing can be aided by the other. They sometimes go hand in hand for a reason. and. 
it's just weird it's just weirdly nuanced where you're like this is beneficial for shinji even though i wish this wasn't the person he was looking up to Mm-hmm. and it's a side effect it's like yeah because gendo's worse like he can't talk to shinji like a human being even though he's also technically speaking very competent at what he does mm-hmm. and it's just it's just people are nuanced people and like i think this show is like really honest about showing real nuanced people almost like or at least currently <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll put that caveat currently <laughs> sure, sure right now I, I like i like these uh the these scripts yeah did you have anything else you wanted to say about the watermelons in particular because you mentioned like you like some of the things the ways that you think it's like standing in as like metaphor for other things in the show yeah i just i just think the way that um shinji is like his his immediate response to cultivating growth is like but doesn't hardship come from that like doesn't loss come from that yeah just is just like speaks to him and kaji's being like kaji's response being like Yes, but having pain and, and having loss can also, you know, you, you can become a kinder person as a result. I think also speaks to to, to Shinji's arc so far, maybe to, to Kaji's ability to read him. Uh, but I think also like that being in the same episode, I don't know if we have touched on. Uh, well, we, we have touched on the conversation between Toji and Shinji and, and Ray's apartment. But uh, just like Sh- Toji says, like, oh, you know. Shinji, like you, you changed, or I know you better now, because he, uh, it's like I didn't really, you know, when I met you, I thought you were kind of an asshole, but I, you know, I, I didn't really think you were the person who would, who would do things for other people, and like, you know, from my point of view, I'm like, well, Shinji's always just done what other people told him to do, yeah. but like, yeah. I, I still think Toji's right. Like, there was a, th- there was like a very quiet, reserved Shinji. And now there is like a Shinji who has found purpose through helping other people, even if it's to a fault. Like there, there is a development from point A to point B, and it's interesting that Toji just reads it as like, you know, you're a much nicer guy than you were before. Whereas like, you know, Shinji has found a way to interact with the people around him, even if it's not necessarily healthy all the time, because he's just yeah, yeah, because he's just like yeah, I'll just I'm I. It's just expected of me to 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 do certain things around like you know his apartment because like you know compare him complaining about Masato being trashy as opposed to him just doing the cooking and cleaning and being happy about it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, it's also like, because when that, that scene first happened, I was kind of like, oh, I feel like Toji just like doesn't really know what he's talking about because he didn't really know Shinji wanted to start. He, but he doesn't, right. but there is still something about his point of view yes, that is valid. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of both at the same time because, like, because uh, now that we're talking about it, I feel like yeah, this is like, this he, is the Shinji, Shinji that's in Toji's mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, like Shinji has always helped people, but there's a difference between helping people because out of like a sense of like obligation or needing like follow like commands and like doing it just because you you just feel like that's what you want to do or should do. Like like the like nobody like told him go over to raise and and clean up the floor. But he came in and just that's what felt right to do. Like mm-hmm. so, there's, there's a difference there between that and the way that he's helped people before. Like helping, I mean, I guess helping Rose like kind of his choice in the first episode. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's he's always helped people, but it's it's in like a different way. Yeah, I think um when when Kaji asks Shinji like, do you like do you know what you can do to to bring yourself joy? Or I don't remember his exact wording, but uh, yeah. Shinji doesn't really answer, and I have to wonder like. Does he get genuine joy from helping people or is it just like 
a kind of formed coping mechanism where he's like, all right, well, I've been this is this is the way I found to receive any modicum of, of appreciation, which is like, like a, you know, a stand in for joy. It's the closest I've gotten. And I don't know if that's like if he's like, yeah, I just really like helping people. It makes me happy. Or if it's just like this is the first thing I've done that has given me anything. But like, well, that's what I started to wonder about too when i was even just talking just there i was like well wait a second well like how do i know that like his instinct to clean up race four is not still so out of some obligation it's like oh well if i'm here and there's a mess i should be the one to clean it up i owe this to ray like whatever like, like that's interesting like he might not actually have grown that much it just we're not like super pretty to like the thought process like it could still be very much like doing things because he feels like he has to yeah i mean it's i mean that's that's a very human and real thing is for it to be like a little bit of both yeah but like yeah why 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 do i enjoy this am i am i just conditioned to think productivity brings me joy (laughs) because it has like given given me positive feelings in in the past or or like does does cleaning actually make me feel better or am i just i was always told to clean so when i did there was a feeling of relief when i was done Mm -hmm. i don't know these are these are the important questions that (laughs) I don't even I, I I think there's a very intentional like thing be like with this scene being in the same episode as asking Shinji like what do you like to do what what makes you happy Shinji Ikari and him not knowing paired with this question where he's like yeah you know it's just it's it's here I'm here I might as well do the nice thing to help her out and I think it's interesting that also in that scene we get Ray saying thank you and being taken aback. She takes herself aback by surprising herself that she says thank you. She's like, have I ever, I've never, I've never expressed gratitude to a human being before. Yeah. Um, and she speaks it in poem, which got on my nerves again, but um, I, uh, it, this show's interesting. Cause I feel like um, there are definite points where like, you just really have to not be watching to think this, but I think that like to a certain extent, I feel like someone could watch this and think of the characters as sort of being like surface level or like, or one note. But like when you actually start to break it down, like we do on a show like this, and you really start thinking about it, like you realize how much of a real boy Shinji is where like, you can talk about him the way you can a real person, like of these things about like, Oh, well, like, like we did earlier today like, in this episode, it's like, all right, like, well, how do you think he'd react to the like addition of Toji to this mm-hmm. roster? And it's not like, well, Shinji before he, Shinji's the character that does this. So if this is how he'd react. It's like, well, actually, there's like multi, there's multiple facets to this kid's personality. So, like, it could be this, or it could be that, or it could be both. Like, I, I the show does a really good job of like what it, it, it presents what may look like just like that's the sad, quiet one, and that's the brash, whatever one. But they actually really are doing a lot of like deep character building that like lets you like dissect their like motivations and moods. That like I don't know, it's well done. Yeah, and I think this episode has like it, it's positioned itself to have a real strength of allowing the viewer to do that i think whether they mean to or not with the way it's pacing the toji reveal like like it visually beats you over the head with the with the confirmation that it's toji and i and i think that's like visually doing it is just like it's not subtle but i do think it there's a value to doing it that way um because it feels like you're piecing it together yourself and then slowly having people respond to it but without confirming it allows the viewer to like ask themselves those questions and think about it because like you get to like you get to be in Masato's shoes where you're like how would Shinji respond to if if it's Toji how is he going to respond and then we see Asuka respond which I think further fuels 
that question. And it's just really setting up all these dominoes now, where it's like Asuka knows, Masato knows, things are going forward tomorrow. Kinsuke, we didn't even t- fucking talk about Kinsuke, but his his positioning of like, oh, he went to the dock this day and he came back with all these fucking rumors about the new robot because it's coming in. And yeah. so like now he's positioned to be paying attention to this new robot. He'll probably be jealous. Uh, like we know he'll be jealous because he's still saying he wants to pilot a robot. Yeah. But now like Shinji has an idiot. Uh, well, uh, he's his own complicated <laughs> character. Yeah. But I, th- I think Shinji being in this position where like now he's b- he's being given this information from Kinsuke first, uh, I think is a is, is a good coloration of that information because it's because it's Toji. Just like th- th- like all these dominoes being set up, just like he goes, you have that information being given to Shinji this way. Kinsuke is going to have his take on it. You know, Toji's processing it clearly. Everyone is slowly learning. And uh, it even like includes like, you know, Hikari is is like this, this class. I, that's the first time I think I've known her name. Uh, this class president is like trying to get closer to him. And is like, I'm going to I'm going to make you food tomorrow. And uh, and and it's all set up for the next episode. And we'll see what yes. happens. Also, we. Masato learned that the Mar the Marduk institution's fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's fake. Which like, it does sound like a bullshit institution, doesn't it? That name, it just rings made up. Yeah, but it yeah, it's just a a front for for nerve to pick whatever fucking kids they want. Which is interesting too, because like they had a list of candidates. I don't know how they're picking those things, because for some reason, naming it off to some random institute makes it seem like they're doing some defined tests that are like these are the people most capable of doing it. So you just kind of trust that like, oh, Shinji's not here because it's his Gendo's kid. It's Shinji's just, you know, has this aptitude that he has to rise to. When in reality, like for some reason, when they say, oh, it's just nerve. I have, I'm like, well, nerve isn't fucking doing that clearly. Like I just immediately assume it's all bullshit now. Yeah. So I don't know. But uh, hey, Psyduck Institute sounds, sounds legit enough. You know, it's, I trust it. Yeah. Well, Regardless of, of what, you know, tests they're running or if they're just picking kids in the school, maybe we'll find out. I love that they just keep picking them out of the same school. Yeah, maybe it's just like, yeah, just they're like, just, these are the kids next door. <laughs> so we... It's it's like, <laughs> they, they like, they're like, quick, find the nearest Montessori program. God. A little, a kind of a little bit. Yeah, maybe the school is just like, like those, those tests they're taking are actually just going up into the, the, the big nerve shoot saying like all right this this kid has the highest test scores and athletic performance so we're gonna put him in a fucking robot yeah that's those uh those aptitude tests that all the weird jr jr rotc kids took probably the presidential fitness test is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and then they they put you in a giant death machine and tell you to uh go murder for the lord or whatever it's still less scary than that big rope you have to climb in in gym class yeah, I mean, it's, you know, two joysticks as opposed to a rope. And it, the thing is, like, the higher up you get on the rope, the more danger you're in if you fail. <laughs> it's just a bullshit experience. The joysticks won't burn your hands like that rope will, you know? I actually don't know if that... They might, actually, now that I think you about no, it. No, 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 Joe, this has been established. You only burn your hands if you're trying to open the, like, escape pod from one of them. That's true. I guess, I don't know if Asuka had any burns from being underneath lava. <laughs> So, uh, I guess or magma, magma diver, our favorite. Yeah, magma diver. 
I had like two last quick things. Oh yeah, go to for talk it. about before you go. Um, one of them did um did Kaji clean up the trash in front of Masato in the scene where um he's hitting on Maya? It's because a, it's so, implied that he organized the cans in the in the thing because it cuts from like. He puts it. He throws a can in there, and they all fall out because it's too many. But when it cuts back mm-hmm. to him, like picking up after himself, they're all like lined up and organized. That's what I'm saying. And because like, the previous scene, Shinji had told Toji like Masato doesn't like men that aren't willing to clean up, and like he they're oh, all yeah. d- disheveled. And then Masato shows up, and he organizes them. That's such and a that was that's like, such a good visual thing. I had not picked yeah. up on. I just wanted to make sure that happened because I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what they just did. But I. I I, yeah. I noticed it, but I did not connect the dots of why he might have done it or what that yeah, says. <laughs> but that's good. That's very good. good graces, yeah. Or that's just how he is. I, I, I would have. I think my 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 assumption is that that's 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 just how he is. And she's like, well, I can't not fuck him because he's like, ah, <laughs> oh, I got to organize these cans. I made a mess. And she's like, ah, but, you but fucking doesn't he, idiot. Doesn't he throw it in the first time? I feel like the person that throws it in would not be the same person that needs them to be organized. I feel like he didn't care, and then he said, saw she was I, there, and he's like, oh shit, I better clean this up. I, I can completely relate to someone who, I'm not going to fix a mess that I haven't touched, but now that I'm already touching it, I might as well go the extra mile. Because like once, it, once I get started, I just start fucking snowballing. Like, my apartment will be a disaster, but if, like one thing i have like i have to do one thing i will just keep going and clean my whole fucking apartment yeah that that makes sense the only other thing i buried the lead all the way to the end kids you ready i mentioned this in the in the uh the recap i liked that toji points out to shinji what's wrong about what he did so many episodes ago like or not like yeah. why it's wrong, but just that it, but that it is wrong. It's interesting to have Shinji back in the position he was before and to have like another a peer of his to be like, that's not, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, well, put the, put the mailbox. And like, it just, I feel like it's just like he had to like, he got called out and like had to like think about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting. It to another human being. Yeah, it's, it's a good parallel of being like, we'll just, we'll just go in and, and set it down. And Toji being like, what, you can't just fucking do that. Yeah. And it's like. It just, eh, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I, I don't know if it's just trying to draw a contrast between their instincts, but it's it's still a nice thing to, to include or draw attention to anyway. Yeah. Also, that fucking sound is still there. Mm-hmm. I guess Ray just constantly has to hear that fucking noise of the, 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 the <laughs> yeah. banging of whatever it is. She signed a four year lease. Can't get out of it. I guess so. Or well, I don't know. This is, is this, I'm assuming this is still nerve provided housing. Did we did we mention I don't have much to say about it, but did we mention that uh Gendo d- mentions to like Gendo tells Ray after a test like, "All right, let's go get lunch." And Ritsuko just gives him the fucking dirtiest look from behind his shoulder. I was thinking about it, but I didn't actually say it. Yeah, that was a thing that happened, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's when the uh, She's in the she's in the tube. She's in the she's in the, I I mean it looks like LCL because it's orange. I don't fucking and there's like a big brain of pipes above it. This is just game fuel. Yeah yeah it's fucking yeah she's in the game gamer fuel and I mean I don't know we'll just talk about it later when they fucking like right now it's just visually interesting and set up but that's yep that's that's that on that that's episode seventeen. I don't have any more notes. I think you're out of notes. I'm out. All right. Well, the next time we'll be back with episode 18, which um, 
Well, I think the, the subtitle said Judgment of Life was the title. Yes. The the wiki yes. here I'm looking at says The Choice of Life. and then uh, I don't trust that wiki for anything anymore. They said Toji was happy. Mine was not happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it in, in, in two weeks' time. And they made time. up a conversation between Gachi and Shindy. Yeah, I don't... I know that... I wonder if they're just mentally, like, combining other conversations. Because, like, this episode, I was... Like I was is there a different translation, know. maybe? I don't know. Uh, that seems like too much to have been a translation thing, because it seems like there's just... The way they described it, the conversation just went on longer than yeah. it actually did. But uh, who who could say? There are um, a couple translations of this show. Um, yeah, that's... On that note... Um, I, I guess this is where I ask you where uh, people could find you on, on the internet. I'm at Topher Disgrace. On, on Twitter, I presume? Yeah. Okay. You're making the other that's podcast all. that maybe people could check out? No. No, just kidding. That's not true. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I am a frequent guest and co-founder of the Movie Club podcast, where currently they're doing a Disney Channel original movie December. So they did Smart House and Xenon of 21st century and luck of the irish if you uh if you grew up in that sector of time that might be of interest to you oh i'm also on a dragon ball z podcast called cannon ball z uh there should be a, a new episode of that coming out uh relatively soon hhwf is on hiatus right now the the everyone's favorite video game wrestling show but that'll be coming back in the new year so keep an eye out for that alien happy hour on youtube.com and we have a patreon over there where you can like submit movies for us to watch there's a music podcast on that network too you can suggest albums to be listened to um and uh lots of stuff like that neat is your internet handle neat uh i think so uh you can find me on twitter at ghost of joe which is spelled ghost of jo uh because that's how you spell my name it's just jo uh i make a, a couple other podcasts uh 294 note streak has ended since i i believe the last time we've recorded it, it was a show where we figured out the best song in Guitar Hero. We used a bracket, and we did it. it. took 26 episodes, and they're all pretty... I mean, the last ones were a little long, I think, but we, we, we kept a pretty tight ship in terms of how long those episodes were. I was on that show. Yeah, 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 you were. Um, for, I think, three episodes? Something like that. Uh, yeah, you were our Metallica respecter. Um, yeah. Gotta, gotta get all representations included. Uh, but that, there's that, um, that's done. If you want to go, like, if you want to show that's over that you could binge and you just want to hear me talk about music with, uh, with, with Riley Hopkins and some other guests sometimes. Um, but other than that, uh, Got It Memorized, uh, is, is wrapping up The World Ends with you. We, uh, we just did all the deep secret reports. We have, like, I think one more episode of it, maybe two, depending on how long the, the last bonus DLC day is on the, on the Nintendo Switch version. Um, and then after that, we... We'll be returning to the to the world of Kingdom Hearts, um, doing a, a a refresher on Kingdom Hearts three before Remind comes out. Then we'll be covering Remind, and then we'll be diving into something new that I'm I'm very excited for 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 people to to hear us talk about. It. I'm excited to talk about it, and also um, it'll it'll probably last all of 2020. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 the stuff I'll plug. Uh, both of the shows I plugged are on the same network as this one, the Orange Groves Podcast Network. You can find that at theorangegroves.com. Uh, check out some shows I may or may not be on them. And uh, yeah, there's there's always something something new popping out. The show no longer comes out the same day as Argonauts. You should go listen to Argonauts. I love those Argonauts. It's a it's a real good show. 
if you like ARGs, uh, or if you don't and you'd like to, it's a good good place to start. I think I think we're done with the podcast. You can you can rate and review us on iTunes if uh, if you like the things we talk about. Uh, you know, go drop a uh, you know five star review does a does a ton of good. And um, and tell a friend. Tell a friend. You got a friend who likes Evangelion, and you uh, and they're like, man, I just wish I could listen to two losers on the internet overanalyze every single frame that involves a basketball or a watermelon. I don't know. You gotta call me a loser. <laughs> Oh, uh, sorry. I, it was meant to be self-deprecating, but I did loop you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, that's not how self-deprecation works. You no. Can't somebody else tell no, the you. two coolest fucking people talking <laughs> about robots uh, and trauma. Uh, yeah, tell tell a friend, write five five stars, and uh, re, re, retweet it. I never actually tweet about it, but you could tweet about it. Sometimes we use hashtag NervousRexPod. I try to. It's not super consistent, but you can use that as well. Um, and one last thing I'll plug is the Orange Groves Discord server. Uh, there's a link to it on the website. If you scroll to the bottom of the orangegroves.com, uh, there's a link to the Discord server. Uh, you can come chat about, uh, you know, these episodes, the episodes of the anime, the future of the anime. There's a lot of stuff in spoiler tags, you know, every other Thursday when I, when I check in. Um, and I, I love reading those things that Chris can't read. I hope someone does. It's great. And, and on that note, now that I've I've really circled around all these plugs, I will uh, I will I will let the episode end. Uh, do we fan service? Enjoy robots. Yeah. blood-sucking babes. I'm Sahana. And I'm Kat. And we're the hosts of Summer Twilight Book Club, a podcast where your two best friends put their social work degrees to good use by rereading the four horniest books of their teenage years. If you're at all curious about any of the following, this is the podcast for you. Does Bella Swan have a car crash fetish? Yes, I am telling you right now the answer is yes. Does Stephanie Meyer understand healthy relationship boundaries? Has Bella Swan ever had a secure attachment in her life? How has Twilight impacted the societal and my personal conceptions of romance? Why does Stephanie Meyer Osahana and all other brown people reparations? Why is Edward Cullen so into edging? You can find Summer Twilight Book Club at theorangegirls.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you access podcasts to find out.